What's up, people? David James Young here for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. This week on the podcast, we have Mr. James O'Brien. You might know James from his time in The Boat People uh, and playing bass with Kate Miller-Heidke and playing in Machine Translations. Most recently, he has transitioned into being a solo artist He makes music under the name of Darling James, uh, and he released a brand new EP just earlier this year. He toured that EP a few months back. While he was in Sydney, he played uh, at Waywards in Newtown, and I got to speak to him there. I've known James for a a really, really, really long time. Uh, We met back in 2010, I want to say, when the boat people played in Wollongong. The Boat People were one of my absolute favourite Brisbane bands growing up. Their debut album, Yes, 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 uh, remains one of my favourite records from that decade. I still know every word to every song. It, it, It holds a lot of sentimental value for me. Anyway, we hadn't seen each other in a few years, so we had a lot to catch up on, and, uh, I'm really glad we got to. Like, uh, we get into some really interesting stuff here. We talk about, uh, I guess growing up regionally, and, uh, I guess the, the insular nature of, uh, Brisbane's music scene, and, uh, the fact you can rattle off so many people you know from Brisbane before you clock onto someone that the, the, the other person from Brisbane doesn't know, just because everybody seems to really know everyone. It's got that very kind of, like, tiny town sort of community around it in terms of, uh, music. Uh, we also talk a bit about sobriety and going solo, uh, and, yeah, all the various adventures that James has had in music in between. So, yes, very excited to be having Darling James on the podcast today. If you want to check out his brand new EP, it is called Mood Eyes. You can get it on Spotify, on Bandcamp, on all the various outlets. And, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. He's a very inventive and very creative songwriter, and uh, that's definitely evolved uh, since uh, we first met uh, up to this very point in time. So very excited to have Darling James on the podcast. Big shout out to his band, uh, absolutely lovely guys as well. We had a really fun time hanging out together in Sydney and catching up, and hopefully I will see that crew next time they are in town. But until then, don't forget, if you want to support this podcast in any way, shape, or form, there are a couple of ways that you can do that. We would love to have you rate and review and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Drop a five-star review in. It really helps us get out to the right people. And that is massively, massively appreciated. You can also subscribe wherever you get podcasts and let people know about it. If you have any friends that are fans of any of the artists that we've spoken to, let them know about it. Uh, We like to get pretty in-depth here and maybe they'll find something out about their favorite artist that they didn't know previously. Lot to work with there. So uh, yeah, come check it out if you... Uh, so inclined. (laughs) And of course, if you are in a position to do so, we would love to have you as a financial backer and a supporter over on Patreon. 
For as little as $1 a month, you can help to keep the lights on over at Bar Bands HQ, supporting the podcast, supporting me financially, and supporting independent Australian podcasts. If you'd like a little bit more information on that, head over to patreon.com slash barbands. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash barbands. If you want to get in touch, barbandspod at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S-P-O-D. That is the same handle for Facebook and Twitter, barbandspod. And you can head over to all my friends are in barbands.com for more information, a full list of episodes, and anything else that you might need. I don't know how much more you might need, but you never know. (laughs) Okay, let's cross now to our chat with the wonderful James O'Brien, Darling James. You've been so lost, you've been lonely Looking for someone to come round and save you It's such a tedious story I can't quite believe I watched something so boring But there's so much more that needs to be said I'm David James Young, and all my friends in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend, Darling James. How's it going? Very well. How are you, my friend? I'm very good. Yes. It's good to see you. It's been been a hot minute. It's been far too long, man. It's been. We just calculated. I can't remember what it was. 2013. Yes. Mm. So, oh, what's gone down since then? <laughs> what's gone down? Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. But, uh, <laughs> it's like memento. We're kind of going sequentially, bit by bit. You know. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, we are uh, James and his band, Darling James, are all here, and they are on a headlining tour for a new single. Uh, well, a whole EP, actually. Oh, it's a whole EP, yeah, yeah, even yeah. better. So. I'll take your single and I'll raise you an EP. Look out. <laughs> Halfway to a record, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and this is the first Dublin James EP? We did one in 2016, but it was like this whole string of songs, and then the actual EP coming out was kind of like just all those songs. Oh, it's just, yeah, collecting yeah. what you'd already put out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess officially it's our second batch of songs. Yeah. Probably, yeah. So like the first, like, writing with, like, a full EP in mind. Yeah, that's right. The last one, yeah, is, is a little bit more fragmented or something. This was definitely, all of it was always meant to, be, to live together, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, for sure. So how did this project kind of kick off? Like, uh, obviously, you as uh, long as I've known you, you've been playing, and long, long before I knew you've been playing music. Like, have you always kind of had it in the back of your head that you were going to move into the solo thing? No, not at all. Like, when, when the band that I was playing in, when I first met you, the boat people sort of sort of decided to, you know, have a, a break, yeah. I kind of thought I would do something on my own kind of immediately. And then I just didn't for various complicated life reasons, which I'm happy to go into, but they're very long and complicated. And then I eventually kind of started a band with some friends, and it was pretty cash. And then I decided to make it a bit more kind of just me. And yeah. so ever since then, it's, it's had a few different musicians kind of be a part of it, but it's essentially my songs and yeah. my kind of vibe. So no, there was no grand plan of conquering the world as an individual, but it has ended up being very much my... Shtick. 
my, my thing, yeah, which, is, which is fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, so, uh, brief, brief history of uh, DJI and uh, James Boat, as he was uh, formerly known in a past <laughs> life. 2008, uh, about almost, almost exactly 10 years ago, I see the Boat people for the first time opening for an artist you would later join the band of, uh, Ms. Kate Miller-Heikin. Oh, and that would have been at the Metro? Correct. Yeah, yep, yep. Almost, ex- yeah, almost exactly a year. Yeah. Uh, oh, ten years, right? That, that sounds right, that sounds right. Unreal. What do you remember about that tour? I remember it was a lot of fun because I'd known Kate and, and most of her band at the time for quite a while. Oh, yeah. So there was, you would have played with Transport back in the day. I don't know if we ever did, but I knew those guys. Yeah, so, of course you did. It's Brisbane. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was all Brisbane kind of vibes. So it was a big kind of just fun trip where everyone knew each other and everyone got along um, handsomely and it was great. And yeah, of course yeah, yeah. then later on down the track, I did some work in Kate's band. I filled in for a bit and then I became kind of a, I don't know, well, there's no permanency when you're playing with someone else's band, but yeah. I was asked to play you know, regularly um, a few yeah, yeah, years yeah. after that. Yeah. Good times. Uh, then we meet for the first time about two years after that at a show uh, at the Dealey Departed Harp Hotel in Wollongong. Yes. And that is a headlining tour on the back of uh, the third and I'm, let, we'll say finals, you know, for, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, yeah. uh, the, the Dear Darkly record. Yes. Yes. Yep. I remember who did that tour with you guys. Well, I know that gig we played with uh, The Art, I believe. Oh, shit, it was too. Yeah, but I, we didn't Holy do... That was the shit. only show. For some reason, we ended up just kind of co-headlining that gig in Wollongong. So it was this yeah. one fantastic Wollongong explosion of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Bizarre, bizarre band. <laughs> You know, that, that's a whole story right there. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> their, their singer was like a guy that was on Pop Stars. Do you remember? That's like, right. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, you you knew those guys, though, I'm pretty sure, didn't you? Or... Uh, not personally. No, no. no okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. yeah that was a... so, so something actually reasonably pertinent to me happened that night, by the way, which, which is a little moment of trivia. But there was a, a young man in attendance at that gig who was... Uh, studying in Australia, but he was from Indonesia. Right. And he gave me a cigarette outside the pub, and it was one of those Kretak clove cigarettes, those Indonesian Ooh. ones. And they, they, I smoked at the time. Don't smoke, kids. But they, <laughs> they smell really beautiful, yeah. which is why I wanted to try one. Yeah, yeah. But they're incredibly strong. Because um, everyone in Indonesia, well, not everyone in Indonesia, but lots of people in Indonesia seem to smoke, as far as I can tell. And they smoke very strong cigarettes. Anyway, I never forgot that cigarette because it was stronger than I really wanted it to be. And I ended up writing a song called Indonesian Cigarette, which is a Darling James song that came out about a year and a half ago. And there's a film clip for it that I shot in Indonesia. So if anyone wants to go and look at that clip, they can link that back to the gig where you and I first met. Holy shit. That's a long story. That is incredible. Hopefully it wasn't too boring. (laughs) That's amazing, dude. Holy shit. Oh man, let's start at the end of the boat people. Like, okay. uh, obviously, you know, you all went off to do different things. Like, you know, you had the solo thing. Robin is, you know, playing with Ella now. Yep. And uh, your drummer was in Hey Geronimo for a while, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. still is. Still is, there yep. you go. Your guitarist just retired. <laughs> well, Charles is, he's in Brisbane and he's working at a, a, a performing kind of arts high school yeah, right. which specializes in music and some really Perfect. some really great people have gone to that high school and been students of his including I believe Thelma Plum 
Ah, yes, previous guest show. And Joy. Ah, there you go. They both were at that at that high school so Charles is busy doing that and he's got a family and uh, I still see him whenever I go up to Brisbane he's doing really well ah perfect yeah I mean when it was coming towards the end of of that run like uh, was there any kind of clear moment where it was just like you know we, we can't keep doing this you know we've been tr- we've been doing this for years and years and years or was it just kind of just like let's just leave it for a while and then see what happens it's one of those things you never kind of go back to yeah it was there was no real discussion at all actually I remember we, we got off the road for that album it was a good tour like there's no doubt about that we had a lot of fun and uh, we were really proud of that album Dear Darkly go listen to it everybody yes please and then we did, I remember, one final show where we went down to Tassie and we did this kind of little mini festival in Hobart. Yeah, right. It was just sort of like tack on to the end of that kind of tour cycle or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I don't know, everyone was really tired. We were certainly not um, tired of each other. We were getting along fine. But I think everyone just needed a break. And then it just kept on going. I don't even know why. Yeah, right. You've done like one or two shows since... Yeah, we've done the odd thing. We played at some really good friends' birthday party, their joint 30th. Oh, Because we also played at their wedding. So ah, oh, bless. And then we, we did do a gig at the end of 2016 for a friend of ours who was... Oh, sorry, 2017, for a friend of ours who had breast cancer. And, right. and there was a benefit concert for her. Her name's Jackie Marshall. She's an incredible musician. Yeah. And so we reformed for that because we've known her for... 20 yeah. years or something yeah. Yeah. what was that like going back and revisiting those songs from you know what is now over 10 years ago yeah it was fun yeah I really enjoyed it and I think we actually played surprisingly well I was, mean, there, was there much rehearsal beforehand or was it just kind of like very oh, little yeah 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 there was only one brief one with all of us uh, and that was just before the gig but you know that band that band played a lot. I mean, we did a lot of gigs, yeah. and, and so there was there's some serious muscle memory in action there. Totally. Yeah, you, totally. your hands just find the right spot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Second one song starts, you're just like, "What is this? Oh wait, I'm already playing it." That's right. It's, yeah. it's way it's way deeper than kind of active memory. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So, I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something where you were maybe listening to music on the radio, watching it on Rage, all that sort of stuff, Mm. to being something where it's just like, this is what I want to do, I want to sing, I want to play guitar, I want to be a musician, I want to be in a band, all that sort of stuff. So, like, yeah, take me through, like how music kind of factored into your childhood in particular. Yeah, I, I think one of the interesting things is that music is one of the only things that I got into as a kid or and or a teenager mm. where I didn't declare confidently yeah. that this would be a thing that I would, would do forever. Really? So there were various other things like starting with the incredibly unrealistic I'm going to be a fighter pilot, which, you know, you do at the age of... 11 or whatever sure and then through to the slightly less ridiculous I'm going to be a professional skateboarder but still <laughs> definitely never going to happen and then the probably possible but not very successfully I'm going to be an actor or whatever because ah, sure. in school I was quite into theatre as well and mm. I quite like sport which is a very uncool thing to say but I was <laughs> quite like playing cricket and stuff like that sure. but I never was like I'm definitely going to do music um, and I think that's probably intri- uh, worth noting that then I just I did end up doing music and I've, I've never stopped and I've never done anything else that's interesting definitely I didn't put any pressure on myself around that which I think 
is telling me. Sure. Like, did you have, like, piano lessons or anything like that? Or, like, did you just, like, go in and just, like, oh, I'm going to start playing guitar now? I had some really great experiences when I was at school. Uh, I was really lucky with the school I was at and some of the people who were working there. There was a guy who was, like, he had all this very early MIDI equipment. So we're talking, like, like, kind of like what you would call now, like, programming. But, like, like a really old system that was run on an Atari, which is, like, a, a platform that you know is, is, has gone the way of the dodo mm. and he had this little setup uh, in, a, in a little room at, at, at the school I went to and he kind of like did some work at the school but wasn't a, a permanent teacher there right. and he kind of like was given a room that he could store all this equipment in and use it as a little studio and in exchange he would do sessions with students for free if they were interested Right. so I started kind of arranging and recording little things just using this very early MIDI programming oh. kind of software how old were you? Oh, like, you know, uh, 11, 12, 13, that yeah, kind of age. shit. Wow. So that was really great because not only did that give you some basic kind of keyboard kind of skills, but it got me very into very early on what you do to build a whole track or arrangement. Yeah, yeah. Then I started playing just guitar because I wanted to play in like rock bands. So I just sort of learned guitar from friends and, and, uh, and I had a piano at home uh, and I just sort of taught myself some piano. And then I, the only instrument I studied formally was bass. Actually, yeah, right. and then I ended up going to uni and I studied, I did a jazz degree studying bass. Mm. So, yeah, it started very casually. And I think if my parents had been like, you will do Suzuki method violin lessons, <laughs> probably would have put me off, you know. Mm. I probably would have tried a little harder to be the professional skateboarder or the fighter yeah. pilot, <laughs> but they didn't, and so I just kept doing it and then ended up doing it formally, you know, in, a, in, in, in the sense that I studied it yeah. at a tertiary level, which is reasonably formal. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the kind of path, mm. or the short version of it. You grew up in Brisbane, yeah? I didn't, actually. I, yeah, right. Uh, rural, well, started off in Melbourne. Really? As yeah, a, right. You were born in Melbourne. Yeah, as a child, and my family were there. And we moved up to rural Queensland when I was seven or eight. Whereabouts? Warwick is the town. It's on the New England Highway. It's about an hour 45 from Brisbane. So if, right. you're, if you're driving inland south from Brisbane... You, you would go through Warwick, but if you were driving to Sydney, you would go the coast road and you mm. wouldn't go through this little town. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was a rural community. About 10,000 people. Uh, very different now, but back then it was pretty isolated. You know, Queensland didn't have a great rep in the late 80s. No, yeah. It wasn't a place that uh, liberal-minded people spoke well of. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine there would have been, like... A heaps of people into the same stuff as you so like you, you kind of like banding together it's just like yeah you like this stuff so we have to be friends now because no one else is going to be our friend yeah that's right I mean the, the school I went to was pretty kind of like a bit of an anomaly it was there's a lot of private schools in Warwick for some reason like so there's a lot of people go there and go as boarders like for right. Scots College yeah, yeah, and yeah. a few other things so it, you know it was a little bit unusual given the kind of broader circumstances so it was an unusual place to kind of grow up but moved to Brisbane to go to uni so, right, yeah. so people are often like you're from Brisbane I'm like well yes okay I'm from Brisbane sure for argument's sake but yeah. I actually you know I lived in this I lived in this town of Warwick for 10 years I lived in Brisbane for 10 years now I've lived in Melbourne for 10 years so it's I, a should, circle of life. I should probably move because um, <laughs> it's 10 years in every place yeah. so maybe I should move to Sydney Although, as you were just saying before we started recording, the rent is insane. It's ridiculous. And I don't want to spend $300 for a balcony on King Street. <laughs> that guy wouldn't let you have it anyway. He's not budging. No, he's, not budging. he's got a great deal. <laughs> what was the first time you played live? What do you, what do you remember about that? 
Oh, that's a really good question. I don't know what that would have been, but I do remember I had this weird band before I could play any instruments, really, with my next-door neighbour. Oh, sick. And we were called Toxic Waste. And what we would do is more performance art, now I look back on it, but we would we would play some kind of preset, you know, like demo things on, like, dinky old keyboards, and then he would mime as the singer... And I would kind of mime as the kind of keyboard player and guitarist. And then we had another friend and she would dance. But none of us could really wow. play or dance. That is hilarious. So we were just these kids kind of jumping around to pre-recorded kind of keyboard ditties. That were, you know, the factory ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, doom, 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 that kind of thing. And we were called Toxic Waste. We wanted to be like a kind of hair metal band. But we had no way of making hair metal sounds. <laughs> so we just went with the more the visual aspects of it. <laughs> Well, you know, and we did little concerts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you have you have the equipment at your disposal now. It's not too late. Uh, I could still I could reform toxic waste. Yeah, man. But then uh, I did a lot of theatre at school, so I reckon my, my my next kind of more formal performance experiences were all uh, doing theatre stuff. Right. And yeah, then the yeah, music yeah. came along a bit later. Were you, were you doing musicals at all? Like. We, I remember doing one musical. Uh, we didn't do heaps of musicals. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, it was more theatre, theatre. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, I was really, I really enjoyed that. Now and later on in life, I've met lots and lots of actors, and I'm very glad I didn't try that. <laughs> I just, they're lovely so, people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, give us a little highlight reel of like bands and any music stuff you were doing before the boat people started. Depends when you say that started, but because uh, the guys that were in that band, I, w- I was at high school with. Yeah, so we right. actually had a version of that band in high school. We entered band competitions in high school. What was that called? Four on the Floor. Nice. And here's your scoop. I haven't talked about this with anyone for a long time. As Four on the Floor, we won the Nescafe Big Break in 1996. Classic. And that is a, a competition where they give you a huge sum of money. Like It was like $20,000. You have to come down to Sydney if you got into the final round, do this presentation to these execs from Nescafe. And uh, it was for youth, you know, it was from, for people who were 17, 18, 19, 20 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it when we were 17. We did an album. We then put one of that one song into Triple J on Earth, and we won Triple J on Earth for our rural region what? in 1997. And, and that happened. Then we all went to uni and were doing various things, and then a few years later we kind of reformed that band right and changed our name and started playing in Brisbane what else was I doing in that time well I was studying jazz so I, I played in some jazz bands sure like, yeah. like double bass no I was still playing electric bass but in like a little piano trio yeah sick and uh, and then various bands in high school like everyone does you know little mm. weird combinations of things playing guitar or bass or piano and yeah, yeah. lots of covers and acoustic kind of cafe music like playing you know Neil Young tunes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so you could have been you could have been a teen sensation. You could have been like the next Silver Show. Yeah, I mean at the time there was there was definitely contact between us and you know like major labels and stuff. Oh, wow. But we were very you know we weren't just young in age because that wasn't necessarily a problem. And Silver Chair, as you mentioned, are a good example. But we were very young. We were just young. Yeah, you know what I mean. We were real kids, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's something about growing up in the middle of nowhere where you just, you're just that little bit more naive, I think, as opposed to Silverchair growing up in, you know, Newcastle would have been a bit more of a 
more of a baptism of fire. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> so, what was the first show as the boat people? It was New Year's Eve 1999. 99, yeah, wow. And we went back to our hometown of Warwick because we'd gone to high school there and they knew that we were a band and they were doing a, a New Year's Eve concert. Ah. And we performed as ourselves and we also backed, this sounds like I'm making this up, but we also backed a French-African musician named Jean-Paul Wobotai who we'd met huh. uh, doing some workshops with him at, like, uh, at high school. I'm still in contact with him. He lives in Montpellier in France now. Wow. And so we played as his backing band and we performed as ourselves and said we are now called The Boat People. And, and then we, the next year we put out our first little EP in Brisbane independently yeah, and started wow. gigging around in Brisbane and really just hit the Brisbane scene about as hard as you could hit any scene, I reckon, for, yeah. for the next three or four years before yeah. we started touring on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I, I, I know only a, a couple of people from around that time, but like, what do you remember about that period, like for Brisbane in particular? Like, as you mentioned, you know, it, it was kind of a very conservative, very kind of like seen as this very, you know, sinister sort of place in the late 80s, early 90s and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Had that changed much at the, at the turn of the century? Yeah, I mean, I think so that there was, but it was weird like I feel, I feel like the Brisbane music scene at that time wasn't actually that strong. It had come off this this big 90s high where there'd been like custard and there'd been regurgitator mm. and there'd been powderfinger of course yeah and then in the early 2000s I don't know there wasn't really that much going on people still talked about those 90s bands as kind yeah. of like this peak there was a band called George uh, they did of well course, around yeah, then the, um, the, the Noonan Siblings the Noonan yeah. Siblings band yeah and we were friendly with them because uh, Katie went to uni with us oh we were wow uni with her. She's, she's a few years above me and uh, and that, and uh, but there was a lot of just it was a lot of it was just a bit average in mm. retrospect I think but it got better quickly so by the mid two thousands it had really started to kind of kick in yeah, and there was bands yeah. like the Hungry Kids Are Hungry this is kind of this pop explosion yeah, the grades obviously the grades and then there was like ballpark music which you know then just kind of just got bigger and bigger and bigger Big Bright Bats yeah they were Big Bright Bats that's right good memory yeah. Um, but John, John Steele were a bit long. Bit John longer. Steele were, that they came yeah about the same time as Hungry Kids Are Hungry. In fact, I'm pretty sure a member of the John Steele singers took me to see the Hungry Kids Are Hungry the first time. Yeah, classic. And 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 I must say I'm biased towards my own inclinations, which are more like kind of pop, you know, power pop. pop yeah, rock. sure. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, the punk scene in Brisbane was has always been strong. So all through that yeah. time, you know, I should as an aside say that, that there was never any problems there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not so much my bent. Second and. That sort of stuff. Yeah, gee, good memory. <laughs> Second and were... I mean, they were around in the, in the 90s as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they were one of the only bands from Brisbane I saw, I remember around about the, the, the turn of the century, Jesus, who were touring a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. And I remember seeing that and thinking, how do you do that? Um, <laughs> and it was hard then, because the internet wasn't really a thing. Yeah. It was tricky. When was the first Boat People tour? It was in, actually in 2001... And we, what we, this is a funny story because we, we played this thing called the Valley Fiesta in Brisbane. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's really still going. I think it is. Yeah. And this guy saw us play there and he said, we want you to come down and play 
uh, schoolies event in Adelaide. <laughs> and it's could got, possibly go wrong? And it's got, well, not, not much because it was absolutely booze-free. And this a booze-free schoolies event. And I'll, I'll explain why in a second, right? Because, and we could do this because it was a, it had government kind of funding so they could pay right. a, a reasonable fee. And then we, huh. on that we went over to Melbourne as well. But here's the thing. We were so kind of like nice, and as I said before, quite naive and friendly young men. Sure. This guy had seen us, and he'd kind of just, I don't know if he'd assumed that we were a kind of a church-orientated band, <laughs> which, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we, sure. were, but we weren't. Mm. But what happened is we, we, we were just kind of pretty nice, you know, we didn't trash things, we didn't kind of get wasted and cause yeah. problems. We go down to Adelaide and we play this event, and it clicks at some point that all the bands are kind of... They're not like they're not worship bands, but they're church based. Like yeah, vaguely Christian bands. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And so we were like, oh, let's just not say anything because no one was gonna care, like really care probably. But we we were worried that there was this assumption and that maybe we'd let everyone down. <laughs> so we did that and we had a great time. We had some great people. People I'm still friendly with, by the way. They're great people. Unreal. And then we went to Melbourne and did some shows in Melbourne. That was the first tour, 2001. Yeah, right. It was, yeah, it was a tour that I mostly organised and I'm glad to say that I didn't do that for too much longer because organising tours is a pain in the ass. But, oh, yeah. Like, I was thinking the other day, to contact Street Press, you, I would... This makes me sound super old, but you would print out a photo and print out a press release. Yeah. And together with a CD, you would then mail You'd that. mail everything, yeah. And the, and the person at the street press in Melbourne, like, you know, Mary Mihalakos at Beat Magazine or whatever, sure. receives this parcel, opens it up, listens to the CD, goes, oh, yeah, they don't suck, scans the photo, puts it in the gig guide, types so up a little bit. copy of a copy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Holy it was, shit. It was quite, you know, it was time-consuming, frankly. Yeah. Now you can just kind of shoot off an email and be like, here's my band. Yeah, that's it. That's all it takes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so first Boat People record is 2005. First album, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so there have been EPs and a couple of singles before that. And uh, yeah, like uh, that's that's where I come in. So I hear Tell Somebody Cares on Home and Host. And obviously, oh, yeah. you know, Triple J, we're getting around you guys at that point, you know, again. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, like, was that kind of weird to, like, go from, you know, only having that, you know, kind of very insular, kind of like everyone knows everyone thing in Brisbane to being able to, you know, be at a point where you could play, you know, decent enough places outside of Brisbane, you know, have some sort of, like, at least a degree of following, you know, like, yeah, you well, know, that, that record kind of did pretty well, I think, since Yeah, it. no, it did, did all right. Yeah, it was good. I mean, that was obviously always the plan. It's what everyone yeah. hopes. You hope yeah, yeah, that yeah. you can travel and build your audience. And so that was really great that that, that, that worked out for us. And, and they did, the Triple J did support that album a lot. And, you know, like, the, the good songs on that album, when I listen to them now, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're good songs. You know, no problems there. I mean, I don't yeah. necessarily love listening to, to my own music, but yeah. I'm like, yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, we were. there's two songwriters in that band, and that kind of helps because yeah. you sort of push each other a lot. Totally, yeah. yeah. How did that dynamic kind of work? Would you come? Would you ever come in with something with the other in mind? It's just like, oh, you would sound great singing this. Or we always kind of just like, okay, this is the song, this is how it goes, you know. We come in on four, you know. Pretty much that. Yeah, right. Never... never never sung a song that was written by the other talked about it a couple of times as I recall but it never happened yeah I think lyrics become an issue there because you have to kind of feel like you can deliver the words mm-hmm. sometimes when they're written by someone else 
that can feel a bit strange, I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was sort of like two songwriters just doing their thing. We, we tried, we were reasonably proactive, although it often just worked out this way anyway, but we were reasonably proactive in trying to have it pretty much evenly split. There was usually the same number of songs, roughly, per person, per set, and per album and all that mm. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, which, and there was never any bickering about that stuff that always worked out. Which yeah. Is great. Robin mixed and recorded a lot of the EP I just put out. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's an incredible musician. He's yeah. a, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And a great producer now. Yeah, unreal. Gotta love it. Boat people kind of picks up and, you know, things are, you know, going pretty smoothly for a while. Like, uh, what are some of your personal highlights of, you know, touring and, and being a part of that band? We did a bunch of trips overseas, uh, which were a lot of fun. Um, yeah. We went to the States a lot. We got some support from a radio station in LA called KCRW. Ah, sure, yeah. Which is a great station. So we yeah. went over there, we played on like their Morning Becomes Eclectic show into yeah. a live set, which was quite a coup. We played their party at South by Southwest. Uh, we did the CMJ Music Marathon. We went over a few times. So it's all a bit of a blur, but it was mm. a lot of fun. Those were really great experiences. One of my favourite things was actually making that last record, Dear Darkly. We yeah. um, we, we stumbled across, well, I ended up meeting this guy called John Castle, who's a very well-known producer now. Yeah, sure. But uh, wasn't sort of as famous or successful then, I suppose. And it was just really fun working with him. He works quickly and he's really energetic and enthusiastic. And mm. doing that, was it showed me that recording could be more fun than laborious and before yeah. that I'd found it a, um, a, a scary and frustrating experience and I felt that working with him was very empowering and yeah. so I've subsequently done stuff with him he mixed one song on the newest the Darling James EP and I did a whole album with him with an artist called Dan Parsons where I kind of co-wrote and co-produced some of the stuff and yeah, nice. done a lot of bits and pieces with him over the years yeah. and he's recently done things with like Hatchie he did Megan Washington's, you know, first album and EPs. Yeah, yeah. The Bamboos, he does all the Bamboos sure. stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a really great guy. Nice, yeah. Uh, Vance yeah. Joy does... Oh, well, this goes on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as we talked about, and, you know, we've, we've kind of gone through about the end of uh, the Boat People, and, you know, there's stuff in the interim between Boat People and Darling James, including, you know, as we mentioned, the run with uh, Cable Hyde Key, mm. and, uh, yeah, you were... What, what, what other stuff were you working on around that time? Not a lot, to be honest. I, I, I was playing with Machine Translations and still oh, do. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. So I, I are did, you still playing with Jay? Yeah. Yep, yep, we just did an album last year. Uh, yeah, really, nice. But I wasn't doing a lot, you know, I, I, I really burnt out. I can imagine, yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of crashed and burned, frankly, and I didn't do a lot. Um, yeah, I didn't have the inclination or energy to make music, and I did very little of anything other yeah. than really, frankly, just drink. And uh, it was all a bit depressing, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of dropped off the radar for a good three years there, at least, before I started doing some stuff with Darling James, which was in fits and spurts. Yeah, yeah. Until I got my shit together and started recording some music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's, you know, like... In the boat people, we just we went so hard for like basically ten years of all of my twenties. Yeah, you just hit a wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think you're about probably about twenty nine when I met you. I think that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. So I was just I was heading towards the wall. At that yeah. Point. <laughs> was there any point during you know doing those side things like you know like being a session musician and you know like playing in the back pocket or something like that where it was just like. 
oh, you know what, I could be doing this again, you know, that that could be me instead of, you know, like, just being a kind of a hired gun. Yeah, I thought about it all the time. I just never did anything about it. I was scared to do it. It's like the longer it is between doing something, the harder it is to get back to doing it. Yeah. And one of the things, I remember hearing this interview with Neil Finn. Someone said, every time you write, you seem to come up with something good. You must be kind of confident. And he said, no, I've lived my whole life absolutely terrified that one day I'll just not be able to make something I like. Yeah, wow. And I was really scared that that would happen to me. It took me a long time to kind of just get started. And the trouble is, you know, writing is kind of like anything else. Like, you you can get worse at it, or at least you can get out of practice. And then doing it again is really painful. So maybe you start a bit, and then it doesn't go quite as well as you want, and it really puts you off. Because you're just not in that kind of, in the flow and in the mode that you were when you were doing it a lot. Yeah. So I just kind of really freaked myself out. Procrastinated, basically. And drank. <laughs> we were talking about that before when you when you went to the bar. Like, how long have you been sober? I try. I decided to see what it would be like to have a few beers about three years ago, and it was a fucking disaster. Yeah, right. Um, but before that, I hadn't I had a, I hadn't been drinking booze for a while. So, essentially, about four years, four and a half years. Yeah. But literally three years. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Yeah. Like and, in, in and, terms of like false stops and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, you, you know, you can kind of count, you know, like there's a point where it just stops. Yeah. And I would just say that it's important enough to me that I do very much keep track of how long it is. Yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. And you feel like that's kind of, has that impacted on, you know, your creativity and, you know, the ability to, you know, write and create and make music again? Yes, but it's done that because it's allowed me to be a happier person yeah and when you're a happier person you can you can make stuff without the fear of how it's going to turn out because if it doesn't turn out the way you want it's not going to ruin your life yeah, it's not sure. going to ruin your day because you're already reasonably stable and content mm. so yes it has made it easier but that's why yeah you know like yeah definitely not drinking or taking drugs has been the best idea I've ever had yeah <laughs> I don't know, man. What was the first Darling Jam show? We did a residency um, at a little venue in Brunswick, um, a little pub called the Edinburgh Castle. Oh, yeah. It's not really a venue that you would go to unless you live near it, probably. Right, yeah. So we, uh, but they used to do some cool residencies there, and we did a, uh, was it every Wednesday for a month or something? Right. Which was really fun. And that helped me get my confidence back. Mm. Low-pressure shows, just regular so we got to sort out bits and pieces out that was the beginning really yeah yeah and was it the same group of people or have you had like people coming in and out since you started that group of people were playing with me for quite a long time but the band that's playing this evening uh it's all new yeah right yeah and they're really great guys um we've just done this run of shows but it's been really fun nice yeah are they Brisbane guys as well? Because <laughs> I have to ask because like everyone I know from Brisbane, no matter how far away they move, they still end up working with people from Brisbane. You know what I mean? It's so true. Yeah. And you know what? The drummer. I said before I was from this place called Warwick. Right? Yeah. The bigger town near there that most people know is called Toowoomba. Ah, oh, of course. Yes. Toowoomba is Australia's biggest inland city or something like that. Yeah, anyway, sure. And I meet this drummer Ben. I'm like, do you want to play in my in my band? It's like, yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, it turns out he's from Toowoomba. No shit. So I'm like, you're kidding me. <laughs> uh, but I managed to avoid... So he's sort of... And he, he has lived in Brisbane. Yeah. But I swear to God, I didn't know that. Um, but the other guy uh, who plays keyboards, Michael, yeah. he's from Hawaii, so definitely not from Brisbane. Yeah. <laughs> Probably knows someone from Brisbane, you know, like it, it's its ongoing cycle. He did. He dated a girl from Brisbane. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you can't escape it, man. Can't escape it. <laughs> you guys are everywhere. It's like the wind. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny though because at least in Melbourne, there are a lot of people also from Perth. Yeah. And people from Perth say the same thing. They're like, totally. Everyone yeah. I know is from Perth. <laughs> I met this girl um, who'd moved to Melbourne uh, from Brisbane, and we we met the last time I was there. And I reckon I was naming people I knew and bands I knew for almost ten minutes before I mentioned someone that she didn't already fucking know. Wow. Right? It's because it's, it's just that thing where it's just like, oh, we don't all know each other. Oh, do you know John? Yeah, yeah. I was in two bands with John and he produced my last album, you know, all that sort of shit. For sure. <laughs> Hopefully it's not as bad as it used to be, but one of the reasons I left, I mean, there was lots of reasons I left Brisbane. Yeah. And one of them was because my dad moved back to Melbourne. And, right. But it, it felt like that when you went out. You know, yeah. you'd go out and everyone was like, you know, such and such and used to date such and such and such yeah. and such doesn't like such and such yeah and yeah yeah it's always a thing isn't it <laughs> and there's a certain you know Sydney and Melbourne are cities of a size where you can I don't know there's a sort of some comfort in the anonymity of mm. of, of the size of those places yeah like. totally totally yeah how was that to navigate originally because like you still had the band in Brisbane didn't you had Robin, Robin moved at that point Robin moved first First, yeah, so right. for for the second two albums, we were two in Melbourne, two in Brisbane. Yeah, right. Mm. We were touring so much that it didn't really matter because mm. we were always going to be travelling somewhere anyway. Yeah, and we would do these intensive periods where we would work on new material. Yeah, and I actually think that was a really good way to do it because you get a lot done when you know you've only got a certain amount of time. Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> so yeah, obviously this this new Darling James project has kind of been your. Your primary focus the last couple of years, as well as you know, doing stuff with machine translations. And, yep. uh, yeah, like, is it cool to be in this kind of cycle where you know you're probably as creative, if not more creative and productive, as you were, you know, at the at the peak of a low peak? I'm definitely more creative than, than then, and, yeah. and it's because of the there's less kind of fear. Yeah. Uh, and I'm enjoying it more, which is weird because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people sort of stop doing it. Well, not even at my age, like before. But yeah. Well before my age. And I feel like I'm kind of just enjoying it more and more. Yeah. But partly because I'm less attached to it. Sure. Which is kind of nice. Yeah. You know, like with the Bodies, you know, that one of the reasons that band was emotionally taxing, I think, in retrospect, mm. was because being in that band and playing in that band and, and, and how that band was going had a huge impact on how I saw myself and, and, right. and my sense of myself and how my sense of well-being yeah. uh, and self-esteem, you know? Yeah, totally. And that's that's not healthy for anything. No one should do that. Mm. I mean, not with a job, not with a band, not with a partner, not with anything. Yeah. Um, so Darling James is a thing I really enjoy, but one of the reasons I enjoy it is because I, I'm not kind of slavishly attached to it. Yeah. It's just fun because it's fun. Yeah. 
And you know what? You make better art that way, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't, I've never bought into that whole, you have to suffer and yeah. blah, 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 and, 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 and invest everything. And I mean, you invest everything in the moment, but then ultimately, big picture, you can be more detached, I suppose. Yeah. Detachment sounds like a bad word, but it's a word that Buddhists use. Sure. And everyone loves Buddhists. <laughs> True. This is very, very true. So we'll wrap it up here, but before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests. Mm. Now it is your turn, darling James. I yep. want to know about the best and worst shows that you have ever played in your entire life. Oh, sure. You know, I reckon. It sounds a bit lame, but I reckon the, one of the best shows we've ever done was the show that this band did in Melbourne last week. Right, where was that? It's at the Workers Club. Oh, cool, yeah. It's a great venue. Yeah. And, you know, it was a hometown show, so obviously there's you know a lot of love in the room, there's a lot of people, and I just felt really comfortable. But mostly comfortable because the the, the guys in the band and myself are getting are getting along really well and, and we're really enjoying making music and everyone's really enthusiastic. And it was just great. I just felt really, yeah, comfortable is the best word. Yeah. But there's, you know, there's other gigs, there's big shows. Like I remember opening with the Bodies, we opened for Augie March at the Woodford Folk Festival wow. Amphitheatre. Yeah. And that was pretty awesome. When I was in Kate's band, we played a stadium in Hanoi in, uh, in Vietnam with a bunch of like K pop bands. You know, and there's, I don't know, 20,000, 30,000 people there. Holy crap. Worst gigs. It's hard because usually there's this point where something can be so bad that it actually becomes kind of funny. <laughs> so you've got to find something that's depressing enough, but not so depressing that you just kind of go, ah, well, it's in the lap of the gods. Yeah, yeah. I, I did play this, this venue near Gosford, and I, I honestly can't remember the name of the town, but when we arrived there, the band room smelt a little bit funny, and we, we asked the sound, or not, the, the bar manager. And the bar manager said, oh, yeah, Last weekend, this metal band played here, and they had a pig's head on stage, and they, they left it backstage, and so we only found it a few days ago, so it still smells a bit weird around And we were like, oh, right, yeah. And then the gig was just really badly attended, and then there was sort of production issues to the point where there was just constant feedback throughout the entire set. And, um, uh, and the, the poor sound person was just struggling with life like they were just having a bad bad day they'd come off an eight hour shift at the reptile park you know the reptile park that's yeah, up there? right and then they were doing sound at the so they were dressed up like Steve Irwin <laughs> and it went so badly that as we were loading out they were they were leaving um, and they turned um, to look back as they were walking away and said to us sorry I fucked your gig and then left that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, God. Wherever you are, I hope you're doing all right. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Oh, God. James, you have a new Darling James EP, and it is out now. Yeah, Mood Eyes is the name of it, and it's you can find it at Brashes and Sanity Music. Hell yeah. And HMV. Nice. Good times, good times. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to plug? Anything else coming up? Oh no! Um, uh, just thanks for, for having me, and you know, like it's just it's just always nice when someone is interested in music enough to kind of do something to do with it in in an, in an in depth way, and uh, you know, like I don't know, music journalism 
some of it's a little bit seems a bit shallow mm. sure and I just appreciate people who are as interested in the details as I am and not I mean not to do with myself yeah. but I mean just in general well that's very much appreciated man thank you so much for your time today really thank appreciate you. it thank you I'm Tim Jim Shong and all my friends are